this week on the Afro Beats podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, nutrition is, nutrition is a personal experience. Nutrition sure. is a personal adventure. Mm-hmm. Everybody's body is different and everybody mm-hmm. needs something different, you know? So sure. that's, that's for you to figure out. And it, it's, it's really a shame that so many adults or so many humans make it into adulthood without knowing what works for their body. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Chris from Afrobeats back at it again, and you're listening to the Afrobeats podcast, the podcast where we interview dope guests of the African diaspora to share their perspective on soul and culture through the lens of food and plants. Today's special guest in the building, we have a disruptor of the mycology community, a permaculturalist, entrepreneur, someone who has really paved the way to modernize how we think about mushrooms. He's also an awesome musician who goes by the name It's Cosmic. You can find his new album, YOD, out on streaming platforms everywhere. So without further ado, welcome to the show, William Padilla Brown. Let's get into it. What's up, y'all? It's your boy. Watch this. You're listening to the Afrobeats podcast, garden table content inspired by culture and soul. I started playing around with mushrooms when I was like 18 and um, like I started getting into permaculture design around that same time. And um, when, when I started to learn about permaculture from local instructors, there always was mushrooms in the systems, whether it was a wild system or whether it was a garden or an agricultural system, there was always mushrooms there. And um, nobody seemed to really know much uh, beyond just like basic information on mushrooms. And um, I was really curious. So I figured other people would be curious as well. So I took the knowledge I had about mushrooms um, and started amplifying and working with that, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I really couldn't afford to go to classes or anything like that. But I remember one time somebody sponsored me to go to a class and I met Trad Cotter there, um, which was a big move as far as getting me integrated into the mycological community. Um, Trad Cotter has written a really good book on uh, mushroom cultivation. Has a, He's been teaching all over the country for a long time about mushrooms. Um, and... Um, my parents actually helped me to go to a class on mushrooms in Oregon with Fungi for the People, which is an incredible organization. Um, so like after I had um, the hands-on skills that I gained from uh, Fungi for the People and a little bit of the knowledge that I picked up from Trad, um, I just started growing all sorts of mushrooms. I grew whatever I could. And I kind of like picked up on the, the local um, native trend uh, like right as the wave was starting to build up and um, I started collecting local native strains of uh, edible or gourmet medicinal mushrooms and uh, cultivating those. Um, and around that time, I realized that there was probably more people like me than I thought and uh, more people that probably want to be more involved with the mushroom community but don't really have the access because a lot of the events are like kind of expensive or like not near cities Mm -hmm. um so i started my own mushroom festival and um back in 2015 and i made it really affordable and um 
at that festival when my friends found cordyceps mushrooms and I started playing with those and figured out how to grow those and uh, caught the attention of Trad's wife, Olga, um, who told him about what I was doing. And then uh, Trad invited me to teach at the Telluride Mushroom Festival, which is one of the biggest mushroom festivals in the world. Mm-hmm. And after I taught at Telluride, it was just like game over after that. Like I was super cool. integrated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People started taking me serious after that. Mm. Yeah. I like it. So what was that process of creating content up until that point? Like how, how many, how much years were you putting in before that, that moment happened? Um, before that moment, not that long, actually. Um, the first time I taught in Telluride was in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started on mushrooms when I was 18 and I was 18, eight years ago. So in 2012, so four years, it took me four years before I taught at Telluride from the time I started having interest in mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's very interesting and important because a lot of people, when they're getting into different spaces, you know, they feel overwhelmed because they feel like they have to be an expert in everything. And it seems like you were very niche, very much like, I'm going to try to go down this lane and like make it happen. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, It was pretty fun. Yeah. Like, when I growing up, like, I, I definitely noticed the trend of like mushrooms and just being more prominent and like people use it for, you know, culinary reasons and medicinal reasons. Like I'm used to just seeing, you know, the basic like portobello, shiitake, you know, some oyster mushrooms if you're lucky. Um, I mean, unless you go to like, you know, different farmers markets. So how are like people able to get access to these mushrooms? Because you live in Pennsylvania, correct? Mm-hmm. So like, how, what are you seeing around your area? If you, you go out to the woods, you, you see what's, what you have access to around you that's widening what you have access to as far as mushrooms. I mean, there's an incredible diversity of mushrooms in Pennsylvania. Um, like I could find pretty much anything I want depending on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we get lots of morels, you know, early spring. Um, chicken in the woods starts popping out in the spring. Um, through the summer we get chanterelles and like all sorts of bolides and like late summer like right around this time we get lots of cauliflower mushrooms um, we also get a bunch of reishi in the spring and then some reishi at the end of summer um, fall time we get lots of maitake uh, we get the porcini um, beefsteak mushrooms like all that's, sorts that's of different wild. kinds of bolides so, yeah so like it's there's a lot of mushrooms out there. And then as far as like cultivated stuff goes, like I've assisted in training a lot of people around Pennsylvania and around the country, but um, there's been a, def- a definite uh, uptick in mushroom cultivators around my area in Pennsylvania since I started teaching. And I mean, I've had a couple people just like thank me for like educating the market for them to be able to do that. But I'm sure a lot of them figured out a lot more than I could have taught them on their own. Um, But it's really interesting to see a lot more cultivators. So like mushrooms are becoming way more accessible anywhere you are in the country right now. Sure. Do you feel like there's um, specific barriers for people who look like us, like people of the diaspora, people of color in this space? Like what are your, some of your biggest frustrations on the community and how do you see it get better? Um, I think there's incredible for potential for uh, the BIPOC community in mycology. Um, a lot of the mycological community is very accepting. Um, I feel no resistance whatsoever. Um, I think 
if anything, um, sorry, I think if, uh, I think if anything, the resistance comes from, um, um, what am I thinking? I think it's like, a, like your own mental blocks, honestly. And then like a lot of the events are, um, in places that aren't really accessible to like people that live in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of events happen in places like that's really conservative and like kind of feels uncomfortable to be around sometimes, mm-hmm. um, to like go out those places. It just like takes me out of my comfort zone. I feel like I might get like profiled and I have been profiled occasionally, um, when going to different agricultural events or mushroom events that are like out in the middle of nowhere. Sure. Um, not by the people in the community though, you know, um, when I first got into it, um, I mean, I was like usually the only person of color speaking at a lot of events and, um, a lot of the different mushroom events, they had a big focus on, um, on increasing diversity in the events. So a lot of them have been like focused on like how to get more integrated with different people. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't really take a lot of funding or anything like that. I mean, I have ran into like roadblocks with, um, getting funding, um, in traditional senses. Um, I feel like anybody would run into those same issues. Um, it it doesn't matter if it's just mycology. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that. I think it's about mindset. I remember, I think I was reading something you, you were featured on where you're saying it's not necessarily a part of like pop culture and that's Mm -hmm. what our community tends to gravitate to a little bit. But I also noticed that you are doing things personally to kind of like make that connection, like through your music and things like that. Like you'll talk about, you know, growing and things like that every now and then. Um, Yeah. So I I think it's all about like the opportunity. I was curious because I was looking at your background. I was reading like, I see that, you know, your, your parents had some um, kind of uh, experience with the U S department of agriculture and foreign agricultural services, I think, I think I read somewhere. And um, you were also a a dropout at a young age. And I was curious about your upbringing still, because, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how do you stay so focused and so passionate about a subject, you know, like biology and getting interested in, in mushrooms when you didn't have that, you know, I guess, quote unquote stability, but even if you're in school, it's not necessarily stable, but how, how did you keep that focus? And um yeah like what what was the motivator behind that um well initially i kept the focus with psychedelic substances um i would just take large quantities of usually uh lsd and um it kind of kept me in a state of mind where i was able to um bypass cultural programming that i'd picked up like growing up in military bases, growing up with both my parents being in the government and like super focused on education, like without like the compassion end behind it. It's like, just learn, just go to college, like, Mm -hmm. or like from my mom's side, like, you know, like learn, go to college and like not saying she wasn't compassionate, but a lot of it was just like socially driven. And then my dad's like, join the military if you have to, like, but you're going to have to do something. You know, my dad always told me, he's like, you got an 1830 rule at this house. Like, when you're 18, you got 30 days to get out of here. So like both of my parents were like very driven and like wanted me to find success. Um, but growing up with 
them. Um, they were separate. So I bounced around a lot. So there was a lot of instability and like I'd switched so many schools that the curriculums never matched up. Um, but I had picked up a lot of like un, uh, serve, like, like cultural programming that didn't really serve me. Um, so I found at first, um, a lot of cannabis and a lot of LSD was, uh, really helpful for me to bypass that cultural programming and even like, just kind of get rid of some of the cultural programming that I had. Um, and then, and then, um, my son was born when I was 20 years old and then he became my driving force for, um, inspiration, you know, um, whenever, whenever his mother became pregnant with him, um, I realized very quickly that I was in, uh, not the best situation. Like I was working as a server in a restaurant. I was a high school dropout, you know, um, I didn't really have a lot of opportunities or, and I didn't have anything on my resume really at all. Um, and I was like, Hey, you know, this kid didn't choose to be born into this type of situation. Um, this shit, this kid didn't choose to be born into, um, this area that doesn't really have a lot of opportunities. Um, he didn't choose to be born into a place where we're not able to feed him the best kinds of foods or provide him with the best scenarios. So, um, I felt very responsible to, um, uh, create a better life for him. So that kind of like kept me inspired, um, ever since. So he's like six years old now. So the past six years, he's been my driving force and motivation to do what I do. That's dope, man. Like, yeah, when you're, when you're driving for someone else instead of yourself, I, I know that's a big, huge motivator and I appreciate that. Uh, I was listening to your, your newest project this morning, uh, YOD. Yeah. And yeah, I love it so far, man. I was listening. I think Python is my favorite. It's like very much like a vibe. It's kind of like groovy. Yeah. I like yeah. But I noticed in uh, Breath of the Wild, some line that caught my attention is that I dropped out. Uh, I dropped out now. I teach grads, uh, learn shit off a few tabs. And when I read that, I was like, okay, I was thinking like tabs, like internet, like, is that what you meant by that? Like, you know, YouTube, you learned a lot of your, your knowledge in the beginning off of YouTube. Um, so I was curious, you know, what did you mean by that? And also can you talk on your experience of gathering information that allowed you to kind of lead into your purpose? Yeah. That line dropped out and now I teach grads, learn the shit off a few tabs, like, um, I meant tabs of acid, <laughs> like, like tabs of LSD. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I kind of like went against the grain in like all senses. Like everybody's like, nah, like they're make you crazy. Da, 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 da. Like yeah. don't drop out. You're like, and not be successful. And like I dropped out and I did LSD and now I teach graduates and like teaching universities and stuff like that. So it was like, kind of like a, a little flex, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's funny, you know, <laughs> um, but as far as like teaching myself, um, the internet's been my friend, you know, um, discernment is key for the, um, discovery and uncovering of, uh, truth in the 21st century. Um, because we're constantly bombarded with so much information and a lot of the information is regurgitated. So it definitely took me a while to like get to the point where I could, um, decipher basically who was teaching firsthand knowledge on the internet you know because there's like thousands of youtube videos of people like talking about mushrooms or or gardening or whatever and they like i can like take 
watch some video like that for two minutes and just like recognize, oh, this person has never done this firsthand. Mm-hmm. They probably just read a book or watched somebody else's video and felt inclined to make a video about this. Um, so I, I think it's really important to find um, the people that are doing that firsthand. And a lot of times if like, if somebody is doing it firsthand through their YouTube video, they're probably going to be showing you actually like the thing that they're talking about mm-hmm. um, instead of just like, sitting in front of a, 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 a camera you know um and uh yeah instagram's good for that too because you can find people that are like actually posting which is like it can also be tricky too because a lot of people post stuff that's not their content um and it makes it seem like they're doing something um but i, I got good at discerning that as well so um just utilizing a lot of discernment and you know youtube is full of incredible information um, anything you really want to learn, you can find on the internet. Um, you will get to a point if you're very passionate about what you're learning about, you'll get to a point where, um, the internet can't answer your questions anymore. Mm-hmm. You'll get to a point where you're, where you've exceeded or you've met, you've met the, um, point where a lot of the other people are at. Um, and then you have to just kind of delve into those uh, discoveries yourself and kind of use that platform that was built up to um you have to use that platform that you built up to like kind of work off of um yeah so i mean like i don't know if you heard that in the in any of the music i don't know how much you delve into the music but that's something that i kind of like bring across in the music a lot is like build a platform for the youth so they have some more something better to work off of um yeah but you need to build that platform for yourself first yeah, man, you just dropped a lot of gems in there. I think like going back to like if you're a content creator, if you are trying to do something and make an impact, like you have to make sure you're doing it first. I think that's one of the key things I got from that. Um, and yeah, yeah, building that legacy and building so the next person can have a, a leg up is super important. And honestly, it's, it's just as if not more fulfilling to do that than to kind of do your own thing. Because it's like, you know, you, you set that foundation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I like what you're saying about the, um, like with the tabs and like the psychedelics. I think what I'm, I mean, I'm hearing from you is like you're getting in a state of kind of um, like stillness or at least being able to separate yourself from the world around you so you can think clearly about your purpose um, as well, which I guess it kind of um, to my, sorry, did I say, say something? No, no. I mean, um, I wanted you to finish your question, but um the the psycho the psychoactive substances never make me feel separate from anything um they make me feel more connected to Mm. everything Mm. um but it also like um one of the things that psychoactive substances um in my in my and in my experience lsds particularly is um really helpful for uh removing filters like culturally constructed filters in in uh, linguistic filters um, that we have that kind of says, um, this is, uh, a tree or Mm -hmm. like, this is a rock or this is, um, a Caucasian person or an African person. Like it kind of removes those filters and allows you to see things as they are, um, with no kind of like other inputs in there, which I find to be very helpful. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of different uh, universities and a lot of different um, um, research labs 
and, and are studying psychedelic substances for therapeutic purposes. Sure. Um, and that's something that I felt a lot of, you know, we all have our things that we go through when we're growing up and like nobody has like the perfect childhood. And like um, a lot of people have a hard time getting over things that might have happened to them as they grew up or like um, maybe they feel like their parents didn't provide for them in the way that they needed. And that's something that a lot of people will like hold on to. Um, And I really feel like as as far as like a therapeutic, uh, the therapeutic aspects of it go, it really helps you to like kind of throw up the bad stuff that's been like clinging on. Um, And then you, then you get to a point where it's like, granting you access to higher levels of your own consciousness. Um, because I mean, I, I believe through direct experience that, um, human beings are multidimensional and like, not in the sense of like multidimensional, like we can do arts and like we can do linguistics and we can do like, I think like human beings are multidimensional in the sense of like, like, like through where we live in three, four dimensions of, of, of reality right now where we are not, we're not flat where there's like a third dimension of, 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 um, of existence here. And then fourth dimension being that of time, but there's also higher dimensions that uh, at our current level of perception, we don't really have um, the capability of even understanding. It's, it's almost ineffable. Um, But with that being said, even though we are multidimensional in, in though we perceive that we're existing in three or four dimensions, we're currently existing in all levels of dimensional reality. And there are parts of us that kind of lie dormant in those higher um, dimensions until we kind of like activate or wake them up. And I think that in doing so really allowed me um, and granted me higher levels of awareness and, and perceptiveness that was really helpful in, um, deciding which which routes to take as far as my life um because you know like before i started getting into science or agriculture or mushrooms or mycology or anything like that like all i did was make rap music like i i was a high school dropout that made rap music i had no interest in any of this but through those substances and through like awakening those higher levels of my of my own consciousness um I was like, these are the avenues that I need to take. Like, this is what's going to be beneficial for what's coming next. Um, and uh, it seems to have been legitimate. Um, you know, it's brought me a lot of success. So um, I often just uh, recollect and, and, and give reverence and thanks to um, the medicine that helped me get where I'm at. Yeah, that's, that's dope, man. Uh yeah i like i like that connection it's like the the closer you get into connecting with who you are the the closer you get to connect into the land as well and so that being said my next question is Mm -hmm. um to you what does it mean to um to be living an ethical life when i know when it comes to like sustainability and leaving a better world for you know your, your son um what do you think about that what does that mean to you an ethical life um, living an ethical life truly is like, um, it's a task for most people that are so integrated to, um, uh, dependent consumerism. Um, I think my internet connection is a little unstable. I'm going to go back inside. Okay. Um, but yeah, people that are, uh, that are 
caught up in dependent consumerism. Um, they're already like living this life, which requires them to buy things and participate in um, aspects of culture that are inherently unethical and degenerative. Um, and, uh, you know, getting away from that little by little is important so that, um, so that you have some sort of like, I don't know, like a, I don't want to say like a platform, um, but you have some sort of, um, level of separation from that built up. Um, so like an ethical lifestyle, I think is more one of like, um, an independent producer, um, somebody that's able to produce a lot of things for themselves. Um, so like, uh, whether it's food, you know, if you're producing your own food and consuming a lot of, a lot of food that you've produced over going to, um, a grocery store in like a traditional sense, um, you're already detaching yourself from a lot of unethical practices. Like when you go buy a hundred dollars worth of groceries, if you're not conscious about where they're coming from, or if you're in a grocery store to begin with, um, you've just contributed to um, harm to our planet. You've just contributed to slave labor. You've just contributed to um, mineral and, and, and nutrient extraction from different parts of the, of the world and like unfair wages. Even if you try your best to get everything fair trade or anything like that, it helps a little bit, but um, even the packaging and everything you're yeah. contributing to harming our planet. So um, if you can produce your own food, that's a great step in, uh, in the right direction. If you could go shop at a farmer's market instead of a grocery store, that's a mm -hmm. step in the right direction, you know, supporting local, less packaging, um, um, so on and so forth. And especially if you're supporting people that are practicing regenerative agriculture. Um, so that's a, that's a step in the right direction. And then like, I've recently been um, like trying not to buy new clothes. Um, and if I do buy new clothes, um, supporting brands that are doing handmade or utilizing textiles textile trash from the textile industry or um, producing clothes on organic materials, like doing things that are um, um, pushing the right narrative and pushing an ethical narrative. Um, and then also just getting a lot of thrifted clothes. Like one of my friends sells thrifted clothes for a living. So like, I don't even have to go to the thrift store. I can support my friend and then also not contribute to one of the most detrimental industries in the world. Um, and then like back in back when I was just, like super spun out and like figuring all this out, like I had even set up a biodiesel reactor in my backyard um, just to do basic chemical reactions to create biodiesel from used cooking oil. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lot of people I feel like don't choose to live an ethical lifestyle out of comfort and convenience of being a, t a dependent consumer. Um, and like a lot of people don't even believe that like energy can be free. Like, or they're like, why am I, why have I been paying it? Like, you know, like why have I been paying for it my whole life? Like they can't accept it's like a hard pill to swallow. But like, I mean, Nikola Tesla told us and told us how to pull electricity out of thin air 
for everybody to use and he was killed for it and he was shunned for it. Um, so that says a lot, you know, um, there's a lot of different ways to have ethical energy. There's a lot of ways to be dressed in way in, in an ethical sense. There's a lot of ways to be nourished in an ethical sense. Um, and I think just like living an ethical life to me in short, um, is supporting decentralized, ecologically regenerative, sustainable micro industries, doing your best to get your community off grid because you can't do it all by yourself. Um, and when I say community, I'm not talking about like a little commune type situation. I'm talking about a greater community. Like it's, it's so necessary that we do this for towns and cities Mm -hmm. or even just portions of towns and cities. Um, because towns and cities are so unethical in their functioning. Um, whether or not the town is full of great people that have good, good things in their heart and good things in their mind, like just the way our culture operates is inherently and unethical. So um, taking the steps to create our own jobs and making sure that they're ecologically regenerative, making sure that they're sustainable and hiring people in our local areas. Um, and, and again, going back to like popularizing it, um, make it so that people are thirsty for that lifestyle. Like, like, I mean, that's why I put it in my, in my music. Like I recently made a new song where I'm just like flexing like organic linens and like growing my own vegetables and like all that kind of stuff, you know, like flexing on the right stuff. Yeah. Make it cool. Sell people on the right stuff. Like, like use a little bit of that pop culture and, and infuse it with what's ethical and uh and you know kind of get people hyped on it you know make people excited to want to do that absolutely absolutely i'm curious i want to get into your your little bit of your entrepreneurship journey um how uh, first of all can you tell give like a rundown of what some of your bigger projects are that you're working on business-wise and then also how COVID has affected uh whether it be good or bad um as far as business, like I just sell cultures for people to grow mushrooms right now. Um, in, in my book, I just released a book that I sell. Um, I don't really sell stuff besides education. You know, um, my business is teaching and, um, and researching more things to teach about. Um, so, you know, I've been in a weird space during COVID where I'm not really doing much research and um, I've been spending some time in the lab, but not as much as I should. And um, I've really, I mean, since the release of my book too, which took up a lot of my time at the beginning of the year, um, I've just been allowing time for myself, um, which is really important. Like I need, I need some R and R so I can get back into it and just kill it. You know, like there's a lot of things on my mind. Um, there's a lot of, of goals that I want to achieve. Um, that I know if I, like, I worked myself into the dirt from the time I was like 18 years old until I was like 24. Um, and then from the time I was 24 till now, I was still working so hard doing so many events, like three or four events a month and like working on writing this book. And like, I just realized for almost a decade, I've not taken a break. And, you know, um, I think it's really important to, to do that. Um, so honestly, right now, 
um, taking care of myself is my business venture. You know, I'm investing in myself. I'm putting more fuel into the fire. You know, I'm yeah. nourishing myself that so that I'm ready to take on this next leg of the journey. Yeah, man. I, I'm glad to hear you say that because a lot of people are very much in this hustle, hustle, hustle culture. And it's like, if you know your purpose, you know where you're going, you don't have to rush to get there. You know, you need to take care of yourself on the way as well. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad to hear you saying that, taking care of yourself. Um, we're going to wrap it up uh, soon, but I wanted to ask you for the people at home who are beginning just like I am, what are some steps or what are some like starter basic setup kit for someone trying to grow mushrooms for the first time because i mean when you started you were growing in like bags and like other household you know items and stuff like that right yeah yeah i used to grow in like grocery bags and stuff like that with like coffee grounds and stuff i found but there's like a lot of kits now for people to um experiment with and 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 work on um doing it themselves you know um you can get stuff from Smugtown Mushrooms, from Mushroom Mountain, from Field and Forest, from Nearby Naturals, from um, North Spore. Um, there's so many companies that are reputable that you could just buy a kit online, set it up. It usually, sometimes they come with a Mr. Bottle. If not, you can just go buy one from like mm -hmm. the dollar store or something, which, you know, super unethical, but you know, you need some tools yeah, sometimes. from the dollar store, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just get like a spray bottle and buy a kit online. And that's a great way to get started. I always tell people to start small, you know, yeah. um, get a feel for it, get develop a little bit of an understanding on how they grow, develop a little bit of a relationship with the mushrooms, like, you know, watch them grow, consume them, um, give thanks and, um, you know, slowly build up from there. And um, I, uh, you can, you can, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, once, once you, once you drink that, that mushroom Kool-Aid, you know, lots of visions start to come and there's lots of opportunities as far as mycology, lots of uh, undiscovered things to tap into. Yeah. I'm uh, curious, do you like cook at all? Um, do you utilize some of these mushrooms for like culinary specific uses, get creative that way? Oh yeah. I cook all the time. Yeah. Well, I cook a lot with my friends. Um, I've been like, like most of us. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the state of the world right now, especially this year. Um, I've been in and out of like states of depression. I wouldn't necessarily say I was like depressed or anything, but, um, if you're not feeling sad to some extent, then like there's something or something off. Yeah. Um, but when I'm by myself, I tend not to cook really, but, um, because I know that that's something that I deal with personally. I always invite friends over for dinner like every night because I know if my friends are there or if I'm watching my son, then I'm going to cook mm -hmm. and I always have mushrooms. So um, you don't want to get boring and like cook the same thing all the time. So I've definitely experimented with lots of different ways to cook mushrooms. And like, you know, I've, ha I've been gardening since I was 18, 19 years old. So, um, and I, I've, I've been really into growing niche foods like, I didn't want to just have the standard garden with like tomatoes and like green right. beans and like, you know, like I was growing like purple beans and like, mm -hmm. like black peanuts and like red corn and like lemon cucumbers and like all of the weirdest things I could find, you know? So like, it's been, it's been really interesting. And like, I've had a lot of different and interesting ingredients to cook with and as well as incorporating wild foods, which mm -hmm. I think is incredibly important um, to eat your land like eat where you're from 
eat what grows where you're from um, because nature is providing the exact things we need when we need them um, every year. Um, a lot of us suffer with various ailments and things like that that could be easily remedied by consuming what is there when it's there. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely trying to encourage people with a little bit of my background, I really focus on like, um, kind of like you saying, like eating from the land, uh, making it cultural and getting creative with it. And I'm really big on people using mushrooms as a meat substitute instead of, you know, buying some of these, you know, more processed meats because there's just such a diversity of mushrooms. And that's one reason I really wanted to get into it. Um, do you, can you talk a little bit on like the nutritional standpoint of mushrooms at all? Yeah. I mean, a lot of mushrooms are fairly high in protein. Um, the one thing that you're not necessarily going to get from mushrooms is like the fats that you need, but you can incorporate those by utilizing, um, oils or, um, coconut oil, olive oil, like whatever oil you have, sunflower oil, you know, avocado oil, uh, ghee, butter, whatever, whatever you have. Um, so you can get the fats that way, but they have a lot of protein. There's a lot of vitamins and mineral content in various mushrooms. Each mushroom has its own unique nutritional profile. Mm -hmm. Some are higher in protein than others, like button mushrooms and like oyster mushrooms tend to be higher in protein than others. Um, so yeah, I really like looking at mushrooms as a meat substitute. I mean, as long as you're incorporating the fats that you need. Sure. Um, and iron is one thing that you're gonna need um, if you're choosing not to eat meat. Um, just make sure you keep that up. Cause whenever I was like raw vegan, vegan, vegetarian and all that, I always had an issue with not getting enough iron in my body. Yeah. Um, More than the protein people focus on the protein, but that's, you get, yeah. Like we, so. our American culture has like, Obsession. you need protein to be strong. <laughs> like, you know, and like all of the like weird diets and things that our, that our country has pushed on us is really like a skewed. It's all, it's all business. Yeah. So, I mean, nutrition is, nutrition is a personal experience. Nutrition sure. is a personal adventure. Mm-hmm. Everybody's body is different and everybody mm-hmm. needs something different, you know? So sure. that's, that's for you to figure out. And it, it's, it's really a shame that so many adults or so many humans make it into adulthood without knowing what works for their body. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something important that we work with our children and kind of like monitor, you know, like, um, what's my child, what's my child's energy level after eating this type of food? Like how often are they taking a poop? Like, you know, just like all of these kinds of things, like after this food, Oh, I noticed that he, that my kid didn't poop till the next day. Or like with, when my kid eats this food, like he's off the walls or like when my kid eats this food, he's like lethargic. Or, um, I noticed that my kid is developing a lot of mucus and his nose is running when I feed him this kind of, like, that's something that. I mean, a lot of parents, you know, nine to five stuck in that situation don't really always have the attention or energy to, to do. But I think that's something that's really important to develop, you know, resilient human beings. Um, but yeah, you know, um, whether or not you're vegan or not, mushrooms are a good option. You know, I think for people that aren't vegan and don't want to give up meat, because there's a lot of people like fighting that fight, like, sure. you know, I want to eat meat. I want to eat meat. Um, and I personally eat meat. Um, but I make sure it's all local and grass fed and like, like pasture raised and all that kind of stuff. Um, but even, even at that extent, the amount of, of meat consumption is just through the roof. Like there's no, I mean, like there's a lot of people on this, like 
like meat like carnivore diet and i'm not trying to like like say that their diet is wrong or anything um because i don't know but the amount of meat consumption is detrimental to the environment like people are eating tons of meat for every meal every day yeah um so i think mushrooms are really good to um add into meat to reduce the amount that we're eating and that's something that i've been doing like i put a lot of mushrooms like when you eat mushrooms with a little bit of meat your brain like once you're eating them together your brain almost can't even tell the difference between what's what yeah so like incorporating both of them together um i think is a really great way to reduce the amount of of meat consumption for sure beneficial to the environment yeah i see my videos acting crazy here so i guess the interview is about to be over soon but uh, I wanted to, yeah, appreciate it, man. You know, thank you for the wisdom. Um, your experience is like super valuable, and uh, you dropped a lot of a lot of gems in there. Uh, so I appreciate the time for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to finish up with is uh, our rapid fire questions. So typically, I do like five, six questions, and uh, basically you just answer them as fast as you can. Are you, mm-hmm. uh, you down for that? Yep, I'm down. All right, let's start. So first off, uh, I usually ask, you know, what's your favorite food? I'm going to go with like, what's your favorite mushroom and why? Cordyceps mushrooms, because they provided an incredible life for me. And um, I've, I enjoy having a relationship with them. Um, I find it to be very valuable for me and for them. Love it. Uh, If you were a vegetable, what would you be and why? Um, If I was a vegetable? Mm -hmm. Um, so like not a grain? Uh, yeah, you can go grain. I don't think anybody's gone that way. If you, yeah, take it how you want it. I'd be wild rice. Wild rice. I like yeah. that. Why? Cause I'm, I'm hardy and I got husks on me and like, I love water and you know, I'm full of, of nutrient. <laughs> That's definitely a first for this podcast. So I appreciate that answer. Uh, in your opinion, which culture has the best food? Ooh. Um, Caribbean, like the Caribbean islands, oh, yeah. including like, like all them islands, like south of, of Florida, like Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, like Jamaica, like all, like all them islands, they got the food, they got they, the sauce. They got to figure it out. Yeah. All right. Next question is, if you could grow an infinite amount of any food or plant in the world, what would it be? Although I'm no answer. Probably rice. Yeah. Clean rice, non non contaminated rice. You yeah. Non plastic rice. I love rice. Nice. Uh, in five words or less, what does it mean for you to be a part of the African diaspora? <laughs> Um, geez, five words or less culture, you know, um, inherent genetic wisdom, um, and, uh, the ability to withstand large amounts of solar radiation. Okay. Melanin for short. I think that's over the uh, the five. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I like that. I appreciate that. 
Oh, awesome, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, this has been a, a pleasure and uh, I can't wait to continue to follow your journey and then start my own um, because of you. Um, definitely inspire me and um, I'm, I'm going to keep watching. I know we're going to link up one day in the, in the future. So I appreciate yeah, your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem, man. You have a good one. You as well. Make sure to follow William on all his platforms. I'll put his information in the show notes. I would also love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. It was such a good one for me. I, I love his frankness. I love how he's learned so much just by carving his own path. I think his story, William, is just really inspirational and everybody could definitely take notes from this. But that's not where I want the conversation to end. And so go ahead and head over to our Facebook community group. We got that off and popping. We're starting that up. Uh, we have a place where we can talk after these episodes to talk about what's going on with the podcast. And it's just a great way to engage with the listening community. Also, there's great content over there that you'll get before anyone else gets it. So definitely want to see you guys over there. Well, that's it for today, y'all. That's it. That's that's a wrap. So go ahead and go to iTunes. You know, give me boy five stars. Throw a little comment in there. We're trying to get better each and every week. So if you're feeling your boy, go ahead and take care of that. Share this podcast with your fellow foodies and gardeners, and I'll talk to y'all next week. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And remember, keep moving to the beat of your own drum. Talk to you later, fam. Peace.